0: london tastemakers podcast today i'm chatting to max and elliot from hawk cider in Bermondsey, and i just want to start by saying that the whole reason i put food drink and hospitality in my podcast description rather than just food was so that i could talk about cider to be honest uh, and chat to hawk specifically as a local producer so i'm very excited to make this happen cider is one of my big passions so apologies for forcing it down your throat a little with this but i'm sure you're going to love it We do cover off a great overview of what cider is and how it's made if you're less familiar with it, as well as diving into what makes Hawks stand out from the crowd, how cider could become more popular with a new generation of drinkers, and there are a few controversial opinions thrown around too. We even talk about their cider that has coriander and tea in there for some reason. And As we were talking at Hawks HQ under the rail arches in Bermondsey, there are a few trains passing overhead during the episode, but I hope you still enjoy. So uh, I'm here with the guys from Hawks, uh, here under the arches in Bermondsey. Why don't you kick us off by introducing yourselves and uh, tell us a bit about Hawks. What's the elevator pitch for what you're doing here? Can
1: we go first? Yeah, 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 yeah. Ellie can give you the, uh, the elevator <laughs> pitch. But I'm Max. Uh, I'm one of the cider makers here at Hawks. Uh, I'm, from, I'm from the States originally, um, so I'm a recent transplant. Uh, and yeah, cider is cider's my life, and I love
2: it. So nice. <laughs> <life>. <laughs> I also love cider. So I'm Elliot, Um, I um, am the marketing person here at Hawks, Mm. I guess, um, in a very broad way. And I guess the elevator pitch for Hawks for me has always been, um, we are a cider brand but not as you would expect it, Um, and that is kind of something that feeds through a lot of what we do. We 100% um, sort of saw the craft beer scene, came up with the craft beer scene, um, and wanted to use that energy um, Uh to bring cider to you know, a younger, you know, more forward-thinking person. (laughs) Um, You are
0: going to go for, like, cooler, hipper. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, I guess, definitely. And the time that we started as well, there was not really another commercial London cidery Mm. um, around, which just instantly gave us, you know, something unique um, about cider. I think cider had been made in very small quantities in very weird places in London, Way back in the past, sure, yeah. um, but it obviously has a very traditional homeland um, yeah. that we are not in, um, and we sit on the side of the community of, but we very much have our own little London bubble here right. at Hawks, right. um, which is something that we, you know, we really enjoy. It's something that kind of influences a lot of what we do as well sure. in terms of like where our ideas come from and who we collaborate with, yeah. Um yeah, I think, I think that's nice. about Hawks. Yeah. yeah. Um, Some. Yeah, and we've got four rail arches down in Bermondsey as well. That's where we make our cider.
0: And a beautiful tap room to go along with it. A wonderful tap room. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah. cider
0: here. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Amazing. So do either of you have like a particular strong sort of history with cider that kind of got you into the industry? Like where's your passion come from, I guess? Uh,
1: So I've been making it since, well, I mean, I can say say this here, before I could legally drink in the States. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and it had always been a hobby of mine. I always was fascinated with the idea that I could make, you know, as a 19 year old, like I was, you can make your yeah. own alcohol to get drunk off of I mean, that's, that's, that's a steal, man. That's a steal. I just had to buy juice, a little yeah. bit of yeast. That's great. And so it kind of, it kind of came from there. I started with supermarket juice, mm. made friends with orchards, built a press, like, you know, just like kind of built my hobby into now mm. a career, which I feel like I'm quite lucky to have done. Yeah. Um, and Hawks is a huge reason for that.
0: Mm. Yeah. How about you, Aya? Um
2: Yeah, I mean, my link to cider actually started with Hawks, really. Um, I didn't have a big history with cider. I was brought up in the town that basically started beer and brewing in the UK. Um, so booze in general has been a big part of my life, and mm. I was very lucky enough to end up working for the OG brewery in my town and doing marketing for them. Um, fell in love with the industry, fell in love with talking about drinks and, you know, creating stories about drinks. Mm. Um, but for me, beer was just starting to get a bit too, like, a bit too same-same. You know, there's only so many, for me anyway, there's only so many craft breweries that can pop up and, right, like, right. you know, really be unique. Um, a lot of them just, like, have a very similar look and feel and mm. a very similar, you know, range, whereas Hawks with Cider is just, like doing some of the weirdest stuff inside ever right. we were on our um untapped page you know untapped that's mm, yeah, like yeah. a ranking service for drinks and um we were just looking at some of the weird ciders that we made and like some of them are some of the highest rated in the uk for just wow. weird and wonderful stuff <laughs> <laughs> so there's like a herb spice and a hopped category right. um, yeah, within with yeah. um and we've got about 10 different ciders that are in the top 10 or the, the top 20 um which is weird yeah but cool yeah
0: very nice very nice and so we don't have to dive into the minutiae but maybe max do you want to tell us like broadly what you do as like cider maker here under the arches
1: Uh, i mean (laughs) like elliot said with his marketing thing when you work at hawks you kind of do everything right right um (laughs) and so that's that's great because it means you get to do like every day is different and so for me and my Co-head cider maker, whatever you want to call him, Theo. So he and I, Theo and I, are the are the main cider makers mm-hmm. here, and so we, we we produce all of the cider on site that, uh, that is sold uh, by Hawks um, still, which is quite impressive, um, I think. So we'll we we start from the apple and we go till base cider, and then we will we don't have the facility to package on site, so we right. send it out to be packaged. Uh, and that's even kind of fun because we send it out in 25,000 liter tankers which mm. is cool <laughs> yeah it's a quite a common thing in cider to have we don't have packing facilities it's four tiny arches in and, Uh so yeah so we get the apples we mill them we press them we rack them we ferment them we we rack them again we filter them and uh, yeah we do I mean we do it all and um, and it's fun it's really mm. fun I don't, I'm not sure like what else
0: Maybe for like a very layman's explanation for those who have no clue about cider making, yeah. like, what, what are kind of like main stages that you can yeah, do like, from, from apple, I guess. Yeah, right.
1: So cider is fermented apple juice, right? So we get the apples and they're usually kind of reject kind of waste apples from from different supermarkets. They come from pack houses that supply Tesco waitrose, all that down in Kent. So that's a nice story as well. But, like, you know, we're because Hawk started as, as all donations mm. right that was how the how it was originally made and obviously as you grow there are not enough free apples from people's gardens sure. uh, to keep going that way and not free like there was always a cider exchange but so we kind of sought out a similar vibe and so we kind of centered on the the waste apples from supermarkets yeah so you start with your apple and there are kind of three things we look for in an apple so there's uh there's sugar sweetness there's acidity, sharpness, and there's kind of tannin, which is bitterness, mm-hmm. or kind of, uh, yeah, bitterness is the way to say it. And um, the fruit we get from supermarkets is, is necessarily lacking in tannin. Sure. So if you think of red wine versus white wine, we are making the equivalent of white wine. Um, so no tannic structure, but we got plenty of sugar, we got plenty of acid, so we deal mostly in dessert apples, mm-hmm. which are your Galas, your Braeburns, your Pink Ladies and uh, culinary apples, which are your Bramley's, your Howgate Wonders, all that kind of stuff. And so, so we, we take our apples, we get the right blend of dessert and culinary, we smash them up, right, we mill them up into what we call pomace, and then we send them through a press. There are lots of different presses. We use what, we, what is called a belt press. We have a very fun belt press that rips through, rips through pomace like no other uh, and gives us really, really tasty juice. And at that point, we're putting that into a tank. So, or any kind of and you can put it in any vessel mm. you can put it in barrels you could put it in you know ceramic urns you could do whatever you want but we put it in stainless steel tanks then you know we measure it make sure it's up to snuff and then we will add a bit of yeast we typically use wine yeast to mm. kind of control it it also brings out a lot of nice flavors a lot of the old fashioned cider makers uh, and traditional cider makers will just use wild yeast mm. but we like to have a bit more control Sure. Yeah. Uh, because we have a product that is, you know, going to a lot of different places, we need to be a bit more confident. Mm. And so at that point, you have your juice, you have your fermenting juice. And uh, so we do what, was, what is called fermenting to dry. So you will take, you have a certain amount of sugar at the beginning. And fermentation is the conversion of sugar into alcohol and CO2 via yeast, by Saccharomyces cerevisiae, usually. And, uh, and so we ferment to dry, which means this, we let the yeast chow down on all the sugar in there and we get it down we use specific gravity we go from gravity of 50 down to gravity below one uh and so then what at that point we need to clarify it because it's quite murky and uh, you can do that naturally but that Mm -hmm. takes a lot of time and and we just don't have that kind of time we're busy people you know we're in london go 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 so (laughs) we we speed it up by filtration and then we so we filter it out and at that point uh, we can do lots of different things with it, and and so it depends on the product that we're making. Um, but I won't go into that because those are secret recipes. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that um, that was probably too
2: far into the weeds? But um, I guess the big difference with us and traditional cider makers as well is that we press through the year, mm. which yeah. um, basically no other cider maker does um, because every other cider maker is making you know, cider in the season and they're doing that thing that I was saying where they're banking on it and they're just like holding all of that cider in reserve because they're out in the middle of nowhere and they can put fifty tanks up in a, right. you know, in a field in the middle of Herefordshire, whereas we don't have that luxury of lots of space. You don't um, have all
0: that real estate <laughs> no No,
2: shockingly. Not in uh south east London. So yeah, we press all the guys, not me, um the guys press um every couple of weeks, uh, which I guess gives us, you know, an element of being able to grow quite quickly mm. um, and stretch with what the market is demanding. Um, but also it gives us an element of just knowing that our product is always really fresh whenever mm. it gets out there as well. Which for cider is not, you know, as much of a big deal as it is for for beer or yeah. maybe for like Beaujolais or whatever. But um, for us, it's still a factor, you know. And it's still good for us to know that within three to six months, all of our products are sold through and then the freshest stuff is getting there, um, getting out there.
0: And I mean, you, you kind of touched on what I was going to ask you next, which is kind of, yeah, what is it that makes Hawks kind of stand out from the crowd, the rest of the cider crowd? Whether it's, yeah, the sort of smaller traditional makers that you've been talking about, or I guess the the household names that everyone probably associates with cider, like, yeah. foremost. Um, you obviously talked about having some weird and wonderful flavours, but kind of what is it, what do you think's kind of... Sets you out as the saviors of cider originally, or cider salvaged, is it now? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Besides the fact that it's better than everyone else. <laughs> I mean, yeah, obviously. That.
2: That's a good question. I guess there's a, few, there's a few factors. I think, you know, one thing that we really focus on is we really focus on giving people modern and interesting ways to drink their cider. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for instance, we were one of, the, one of the first brands to go into cans right. and, like, really push 330ml, you know, craft cider cans. There weren't a lot of, you know, any of the big boys who wanted to challenge that, Um, and the small makers as well. There's a lot more that can go wrong when you're canning cider um, than there is for for beer, and it's tough to find a a canning person who will actually just want to touch cider in the first place. So for us, we had to figure all of that out in the background first and make sure that we were really happy with it and we knew that it will um, be a safe product and be an amazing product. And then we just went full into it, and now we only put... um, one of our core range, our Urban Orchard, into a 500ml bottle, but everything else in our core range, our Urban Orchard, our Dead and Buried, our Pineapple Punch, they're all in 330ml cans now. Um, and we've kind of, kind of chiselled out space in a market mm. for us with that, um, a space that probably wasn't there before really, yeah, yeah. Um, but a space that I think a lot of uh, drinkers who are maybe cider curious um will want and they will see that as a real positive you know especially for like the last summer when everyone's just sort of been drinking parks and stuff you know you don't want to take a 12 case of 500 ml bottles when (laughs) half of the weight you're carrying is just the glass there right and then i guess in the terms of you know our 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 product our the actual cider that we make and what sets us out there um as max was saying the dessert apple style that white wine style Mm. um are ex-head cider maker the guy who helped set up the cidery back end roberto um, he was an ex-italian winemaker yeah. so he brought a lot of those winemaking techniques into hawks and you know some of our most awarded products like our Soul trader is is a pure innovation based yeah. on winemaking techniques right yeah. and it's about using that apple in a way that he was using a grape I think that side of innovation and that side of things really gives us a really loyal drinker who's really excited to see what we do next mm-hmm. and you know we actually um almost give ourselves a tough time because we keep stepping up our products you know <laughs> and we keep making more and more amazing things like our our Bermondsey barrel barrel aged cider which is you know just a stunning range that Max um was personally looking after that stuff you know it's so good and it just has to keep getting better and um we've had a few like absolutely outstanding reviews where people have said like for instance, our cider can, which we did for our festival, people said that that's like one of the best ciders that
1: they've ever had. And that was like, what went into that cider? Oh man, everything went in. <laughs> so we were, we we're four cider makers for the base liquid. Uh-huh. So we had Tom Oliver, the, uh, the big daddy of cider <laughs> in the UK. We had Reverend Nat over in the U.S. Mm. We had Ancho wow. on the East Coast. And then we had ourselves. And, and had Blackstock. Uh, yeah, and Blackstock out of oh god what country Shit. again austria <laughs> um carl uh he was he was the flavor master uh which was great it was really fun um yeah we put hops in it we put salt in it we put what is we put three different four different cider bases in it um it we like coriander it, in it as well. yeah we made it we Why made not? it we made a tea yeah. to put in there like yeah. we chucked everything at it and it uh luckily turned out very well um <laughs>
0: you have a few like failed experiments in the cellar that like oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, plenty plenty of
1: failed experiments um that we still bottle up and then give to our friends <laughs> yeah but yeah that was a lot of fun the collab that mm, that yeah. was a really good one it was a shame that we couldn't do it last year mm. everyone was just kind of still a bit too much yeah i think yeah. In, the t- in, a, in, a, in those times but uh future Looks
0: bright. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that's a pretty good segue. I was going to ask kind of how things have been over the last sort of year or so. Like, how has the pandemic affected you? I mean, obviously, like, hitting your tap room is like the kind of front end hospitality part, yeah. um, but like, how has the kind of, I guess, retail element uh, been in that time?
2: Um, I mean, you know, coming back to the cam point, it was great that we were already in that and we were already ready to go with that. Mm. Um, you know, we are like part of Brewdog. Brewdog bought us in 2018 because they couldn't make cider and we could. So um, we had that resource already and we had the BrewDog online shop, which was something in like 800% growth last year um, because everyone was having to buy their drinks online, right? And everyone wanted something different and something um, new. And we had big 48 can packs just ready to go of cider. And um, having that was just, yeah, such a lifeline because most of our business, especially um, sort of pre-BrewDog days, was just London right. um, you know it was London pubs that's what our sales team were targeting yeah. we just had a sales team who were just in London there was no one who's covering any any of the other parts of the UK so all of that pub business obviously just yeah. dropped off mm-hmm. a cliff um, and sadly you know some of those bars like ceased trading and we won't see them again as customers but we supported ourselves you know we we had that lifeline it was definitely a tough year for us mm. um, definitely wasn't our best year at all but people who like talks or people who wanted to explore cider you know kept us going kept us like making cider and we um we had a couple of furloughs as well um mm. which was yeah long um weird um also you know those first couple of weeks a little bit nice as well
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> little breather.
2: yeah 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 but yeah now we're sort of back into it um the tap room as you say um tap room has had a weird time bourboncy mm. is such a such an occasion area it's such like a um you know doing a Saturday whole day out and the whole sort of Burmese beer mall crawl mm. is not made for you know table booking and yeah. COVID <laughs> restrictions and sure. stuff um so that hasn't come back yet you mm. know it's still not as busy as it as it could have been
0: um, nice so yeah like we've discussed it a, a few times like so far like you've mentioned kind of like Die Hard Hawks fans and sort of cider drinkers, like keeping you going. Um, what would you say, kind of, to people who kind of dismiss cider as something that's not for them and like you know hesitant to like try something? I guess.
1: So, the most common thing, common phrase, or th- like just people walking in, or like if we do tours or master classes, mm. is I drank way too much cider when I was 15, yeah, and I hate it and I'll never drink it again, yeah, right. I get a version of that pretty much every time I speak to someone in the bar on a tour whatever. And that's not the easiest thing to come back from. Hmm. Right. And then, again, as Ellie mentioned, we're on the beer mile. People come in and say, you got a lager on tap. And it's like, just, hmm. So, you know, like you bite your tongue and you say, okay, yeah, we do have a lager. But try this first uh-huh. and so you kind of you don't you don't ever pressure people like they're gonna people do what they want and that's fine like we're not gonna win everyone over but like if we're here and we're just able to provide interesting and like and as I said like all the different spikes like flavored ciders and things like that is an easier sell especially for certain demographics but it's kind of you know, it's a it's a person to person thing which is really hard to do in lockdown. So like when you only have online sales and like maybe you do a a virtual tasting like you're only gonna get the people that are seeking it out. Sure. And so like having this space on the beer mile is so valuable for Hawks in terms of just like exposure and Mm. not necessarily changing people's mind but just like, you know, cider's more than just white lightning or it's more than just the the scrumpy in the in the petrol can you know it's yeah. like it it is it can be an elevated drink it's the same exact process as making wine mm-hmm. there's no difference there's absolutely no difference except for the fruit that you start with it's just that wine has a bit a bit more of a of a nice history right <laughs> yeah. cider's got an equally long history as wine sure. but it just has has it has suffered in the tax realm it's suffered in kind of the kind of societal perceptions of mm-hmm. it throughout the years and so we're kind of starting you know a bit further behind than than the beer sure. than beer has um, in terms of cra- the craft beer movement really had got going but it did take them you know 10 to 15 years mm-hmm. at least in the states before anyone paid attention. Cider might take a bit longer but I really do think that there's, there's something for everyone mm-hmm. in sure, cider yeah. whether or not you like, even if you don't drink alcohol like you have I mean apple juice is incredible yeah. and you know we can take credit for that, right? We can, we can, <laughs> yeah, we, can yeah. we can say that, right? Yeah, pre yeah, Um, and so I just, yeah, it, it's, it's a hard one, but it takes time and patience and a real, uh, drive to, mm. and a real passion for it as well. It's not for the faint of heart. And that change is coming as well. So mm. we did, um, we did some like focus groups when we were okay. looking at our new
2: branding um, compared to our old branding. We had one group that was like um, 25 plus um, identified themselves as cider drinkers. Mm. We had another group that was 18 to 24, also um, identified themselves as cider drinkers. And those phrases that you were talking about, you know, had a bad time with cider. Um, you know, drank some White Lightning or K cider, whatever. Mm. You know, those like off-license brands. Those comments were in the 25 plus group. Right, right. Those comments were not in the 18 to 24 Mm. group. If anything, they had comments that were more like, cider's a light drink, you know, it's when I want something that's a bit lighter, Um, or I don't like beer, so cider is my drink, or I like wine and I see that cider is, you Mm. know, a bit like wine, or I like fruity things, but there was none of that negativity. So actually, I think, you know, this this generation, Mm. they're in a much better place for us as people who want to get them into cider Mm. because they don't have that preconception and I think in terms of Hawks and what we give as well to be able to bring those people into cider we've said this before but like we have one of the most diverse ranges mm. of styles of cider of or like almost any cidery that I know of, especially in the UK in the US there are definitely people sure. with diverse mm. ranges but um, I don't think anyone has a range that goes from like you know pineapple cider or um, fruit wines made out of blackberries and raspberries mm. down to like you know 2018 vintage Dabinette apples and um you know still um single variety discovery um mm-hmm. cider in a 500 mil bottle there's no one who does like all of that breadth, probably because they know how much time it takes <laughs> gonna say, to, yeah. <laughs> to make all of these things and make sure they keep keep being good um but um that that for us is is part of that key you know it's that key part of the puzzle that when that person comes in who is here for is in Bermondsey for beer um, or is not that interested in cider our Amber and our amazing taproom team can just take them through a few samples and actually figure out something that they probably end up loving even though they won't admit it when they're here (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) sounds about
0: right cool so what, what does the kind of future hold for Hawks in terms of like the next steps down that journey of like getting people on board the cider train or like what other exciting projects do you have coming up that you're allowed to talk about. Of yeah, of course. <laughs> um,
2: I mean, um, coming up very soon, um, our Apple donation drive starts again. Mm. Um, so this year, we're doing similar to what we did last year, where we did uh, mail-in boxes. Um, but this time, just to save on the um, cardboard so that um, you know we're not introducing more stuff, um, we're going to say to people, um, you can register online, get a little digital code, mm. um, and then you can pack the apples that you have into one of your random you know, Amazon boxes sure, or whatever yeah, you've yeah. got at home using that cardboard, we're actually reusing cardboard and then we'll recycle that cardboard when it gets nice. back here. Um, so we'll be asking the UK for their apples again, um, as we as we have done now for like the past um, five years. Mm. This year we're looking to get 25 tonnes of apples donated. Right. Last year we had 12 and a half tonnes of apples donated. So, big stretch goal. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, for, for us that's just like, as Max said, it's, it's how we started, it's how we mm-hmm. began. Um, and it's still just such an important, um, thing to be able to do as a cidery because there's no other spaces where people could use these apples that could be going, well, would probably be going to waste on their floor um, and in exchange for them sending us apples they get cider out of the back of it as well. Oh, right, right. So it's not exactly the worst thing. I guess like wider things that are on the horizon, we want to make the brand more national, you know, mm-hmm. we're very, we are very London focused sure. um, and that obviously comes from us being in London and having that loca- local edge with people. Yeah. But you know, the rest of the UK also needs good cider um, and we need to um, sort of concentrate on getting it out there and you know, looking at what are those key cider spots like the Southwest but also what are not the key cider spots and how can we you know, bring those people into cider and get a city that's maybe not known for drinking cider like Newcastle or Liverpool, how can we figure out um, how these people can be really engaged with Hawks and mm-hmm. what we're doing. We've got no new, like, big cider launches on the horizon, not that I can mention in this meeting anyway. (laughs) Um, But, um, you know, I think, like, the work that Max and Theo did on our pineapple punch Mm. um, this year and making that part of our core range, which is something we wanted to do for ages, um, that's going to be a a really big focus for us as Mm. well. Because pineapple cider, God, like, A, it just tastes unbelievably delicious, (laughs) literally like drinking pineapple juice, but B,
1: no one else is really doing it. Um, not doing well spice. yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, you, go, you go from, to the yeah. states you got a few more options yeah yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. nice um, so I guess yeah we, we've thrown out a few different names and like varieties like do you guys have a favourite of what you've produced here at Hawks
2: favourite straight cider I guess I mean my favourite project to work on and and the liquid as well um, is the Bermondsey Kentucky and Bourbon right, right. like that cider me coming from like the sort of beer side of things as well you know we identified the barrel um, barrel aged uh, products there's a really good way for us to bring that beer drinker in um, mm-hmm. and show them that it's a really premium product and you know show them this product for for gifting as well which is something that i don't think many cider brands can do or sort of fit into um, and just in terms of the liquid as well i mean i i love bourbon um, i love that vanilla note um, so it was just like yeah. yeah, delicious for me. Delicious.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, my favorite is Soul Trader. Right. Not only for the flavor, but the process itself is really... It, it, is, it is the most reflective cider that we make. Mm. So what I mean by that is it really lets the apple shine right. and it really allows the yeast to do its work in the best possible way. And I think that, as a cider maker, is what... Uh, Helps me get up in the morning is like Mm -hmm. just like being able to kind of have have a a product that is just so centered around process that like you change one little thing it modifies the product immensely and sometimes that's good sometimes that's bad Mm -hmm. you don't always know what you're gonna get you have an idea but depending on when the apples were harvested depending on if they're coming out of cold store if they're warm they're cold like it all changes seasonally, batch by batch, and that's what I really love about making cider, is that each time you make it, it's a different thing. Keep,
0: Keep turning your toes. It does. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: So will so try it for me. Nice.
0: Um, and so maybe moving away from hawks, do you have like a favorite non, well, non-your-own drink so that you go back to?
1: Cider-related?
0: It c- could be anything.
2: The... Um... Uh, the Perry that we tasted at Oliver's last weekend—that was mm. that was something else. I also have an absolute place space in my heart for Blackstock Cider. I just think um, he he hits on this sort of fruited flavored cider, but in his own just really different way. Mm. When he's not doing, you know, what you'd expect of the fruit sweet thing he's doing something with balance but also with you know a complex layer over the top of it as well that isn't something that you could get out of that triangle of bitterness sharpness and sweetness you know his like his cucumber infused one just has this weird cucumber note to it um, which is so so strange in cider but like um, the most incredible
1: liquids ever yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely sure. delicious um, I have a few I'd say my favourite style of cider to drink is Basque, the so northern Spanish cider, and I think one of the groups, uh, because I have not been, unfortunately, one of the groups out of the U.S. that really does a good job is Angcho Cider. Mm. Greg there really, really knows his stuff, and so they do, you know, wild barrel ferments using similar varieties of apples, obviously American versions, so it is different, but they really kind of capture the spirit of that drink, because it is a very social, very natural very like in the moment kind of drink and I've always loved that about that kind of cider mm. Elliot mentioned Greg's pit so again James Morrison out there has such a devotion to the quality of the fruit that he uses mm. and the process and just how careful he is and how just into it he is mm-hmm. just how you know like mm-hmm. and he just makes some of the most incredible Perry's and ciders I, I mean I've ever tasted but in term, in terms of like just like entering into like the real cider world like i'm just got to give tom oliver a shout because like he's just he's just stalwart he's there he knows his stuff like if you're looking to just try something that is truly what cider like uk cider is i mean you can't go wrong with anything from him Mm -hmm. yeah i just i just want to let everyone know that all the people that make cider are great Mm. (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. there's not there's not (laughs) there's not one in particular like that's the reason cider is great there's so many different ones that you get to you could try something new all the time. It's yeah. just like craft. It's like anything, right? It's variety. I think is the most important thing. No, mm-hmm. yeah, great. Um, so,
0: like the, the thing that I've been asking people so far is kind of like what they think the next kind of big trend in like hospitality in London is going to be. But kind of what I'm interested for in you guys is what do you think is going to be like the thing or the biggest thing that kind of takes cider to the next level in terms of like entering the mainstream. I suppose like is it kind of more retail? Is it like getting it into restaurants, pubs? Like what what do you think is kind of the key? element for what's next i guess pineapple punch punch.
2: (laughs) um i'm gonna i'm gonna be a little bit controversial here um because we're at hawks and why wouldn't we have controversy um I, i i think there's quite a big focus on 750 ml bottles of cider at the moment um especially with you know some of the some of the startup makers um and some of the makers who are you know, making limited runs, um, single editions, um, single varieties, super small batch stuff. Mm. And I, th- I think there's like a, I think there's a ceiling to that, to the 750ml oh. bottle. And I think it can be a bit gatekeeping um, yeah. of that style of cider sometimes as well. We're, like we're all about approachability. We're all about making um, cider um, just really transparent, really, you know, what you see is what you get, um, and whoever you are, whatever you drink normally, we're here for you. You know, we have unfussy labels, we have fun, colourful labels, we have things that look approachable, things that, you know, if you take it to a party, you're not going to get the resident wine guy who's there coming up to you and saying, "Oh, what's that? You know I haven't <laughs> seen this big bottle with the label um, that, like, doesn't really mean anything on it before, do you know what I mean? Um, so, I think the big thing that is going to take it forward is some of these smaller makers probably embracing cans um and probably embracing kegs a bit more mm. and and that's a difficult one because they have to find spaces for these things to sell and I think part of that duty um comes from the UK pub trade about saying you know we put a foot down about beer and mm. we said we're not gonna pour ten lines of the same lager anymore we're gonna dedicate five taps to local craft mm. beers now they need to do the same for cider and they need to say, look, we're taking off ex cider maker um, who's been making cider for thirty years and then making it out of not much, not much apples <laughs> yeah. um, and we're gonna put on something that's local or something that's you know been made in an interesting way and sure it's gonna cost me x amount more to make it but I need to be the change that i want to see in the industry
1: so yeah,
0: yeah.
1: right so i mean i echo that i think cans are the way forward mm. i don't have as i think fine cider is is definitely needs to grow as well but it is a much smaller portion of it mm. so in order to really build the market you do need cans i think i think if cider is going to get anywhere near a like craft cider at least you to get anywhere near the craft beer level there needs to be changed higher up there needs to be change to the tax code right. so the duty that we contend with as cider makers is if you add anything other than perry and no, sorry not pear, uh anything other than pears apples uh, or anything preservative your tax is wine, right and that really stifles creativity it stifles the ability of small makers to create new and interesting products. It also gives less of an incentive for more people to enter the market mm-hmm. because it's not nearly as profitable as beer or wine sure. is. We really love it. We like. We really are struggling in a lot of ways, and we just want to make things tasty for people to drink. And um, it, and it, unless that changes, it's going to be a much slower process than than it otherwise
2: could be. And it's funny, you know countries that aren't traditionally known for making cider Mm. actually don't have these rules. And actually, that's where a lot of the innovation is happening at the moment. Everyone in the US, (laughs) you know? Everyone in the US is getting local fruits, like, really interesting, weird fruits that they Mm. pick down at a farm and they're making a fruit cider, but with, like, amazing, like, actual real fruit juice that they fermented. Mm. Plums Um, you've never heard of. Yeah, and, like, you know, hop stuff, spice stuff. They're doing... Sizes. They're doing like graphs. They're doing interesting collabs, which they can do, and not just mm. like get taxed into into ruin and not make a profitable product. Because you know, as, as frustrating as it is for us sometimes, most of our products have to be profitable. Sure. Some of them aren't. Some of them are passion projects, <laughs> and you know, we we sometimes catch some stick for that. But um, you know, everything that we make has to has to make money. Yeah. The
0: sad reality. Yeah, it is. yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean. And on that sobering note, I won't keep you too long before you've got to head off to your festival in Manchester this weekend. Uh, is there anything in particular you want to plug before we sign off?
2: Sneaky announcement, maybe maybe for half the press. We will hopefully be doing some sort of cider festival here um, at the Tap Room. It won't be on the level that cider armour was, um, just because um, I don't think it's right to do that um, this year. But we want to be doing a cider festival where we you know get a pallet shipped over from the us mm-hmm. some really weird wonderful stuff we get a pallet shipped over from europe from black stock and the like probably some basque cider as well and then um uk producers whoever feels comfortable um doing it um we'll get them down here and actually you know do some talks do some tastings and stuff because this this space this tap room you know used to be such a not, not used to be but um was, was a big hub for cider yeah. and lots of tasting events you know we had loads of um, like world first cider makers coming over here mm. and we got to pour their products first and they get to do tastings. So hopefully doing something, I, I reckon in sort of October time yeah. will be. And I guess just a, you know, a general thing. As I said, we need to put more pressure on the pubs and the bars All to like right. get good cider in, you know, to get something local, to get something different. Um, stock something that isn't the, you know, the, the standard set of ciders. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, put some pressure on your local pubs or just go to find your local cider maker and buy something online and get it delivered in.
0: Amazing. Oh well, yeah, I'll definitely be along for the event. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Even when that happens. 100%. 100%. Fantastic. Um, well, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me, guys. And, uh, yeah, en- enjoy your weekend. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. You too. So there you have it. Thanks so much again to the Hawks team for taking the time to chat to me. I'm really excited to see where they're going from here. And as we said in the episode, if you're new to cider, then do have a little scout around or get some help finding something that you might like. Or if you're already a fan, then you can be an advocate for something more local or interesting in your favourite pub. And of course, if you find yourself with any spare apples, then you can keep an eye out for Hawks' donation season to bag yourself some cider in return for your apples. You can find me on Instagram, as always, at MikeEatsLondon, or follow the pod at MikeMeetsLondon. If you enjoyed the episode, please do subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, and do drop me a little review if you get the chance. It'll be greatly appreciated. See you next time.